1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Give five people a high five, and then you may take your seat this evening. When Moses gave God excuse after excuse as to why he couldn't be the deliverer of Israel, God asked Moses a simple question, what do you have in your hand? In the King James Version, God said, what is that in your hand? And that is what God is asking us this week at Faith Christian Center, what do you have in your hand? God is saying to you today, what is that in your hand? And Jesus is also saying to you, Give me something to work with. Our series is Go in the Strength You Have, and our message this evening is A Little Oil. A few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I gave you a quote from a most unusual source. God never gives you a dream that matches your budget. He's not checking your bank account. He's checking your faith. Well, of course, we know now that was Mark Wahlberg. What an unusual source for a quote like that. God never gives you a dream that matches your budget. Look, if you tell me you got a dream from God and it matches your budget, I'm going to come right back and tell you, you you didn't hear from the Lord. Because anything the Lord's ever had me do was impossible for me. If it's not impossible, then it doesn't involve the Lord. Amen? He's not checking your bank account. He's checking your faith. You could start with your tithe. You can start giving a little bit into the Freedom Fund or the St. Paul Scholarship Fund or the Challenge Offering or Missions or Feed the Hungry. There are all kinds of ways to give. Ask the Lord what He would have you do and whatever He leads you to do, do it. When you take your little bit and you put it into the hands of Jesus, He can multiply it. He can multiply it not only into His kingdom, but He can multiply it back into your life. Jesus said, Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will God cause men to give into your bosom? For with the measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured back to you again. 
So God is saying to us in these days, what have you got in your hand? And he's saying to us, give me something to work with. And we're not just talking about money because we spent the last two Sundays dealing with a topic we call don't waste your life. And we dealt with Matthew 25 and how that God expects us to develop our gifts, talents, and abilities. Not just money, our gifts, talents, and abilities and use them for his kingdom. The biggest danger for Christians who have but a little is to say to themselves, I can't do anything. All I have is a little. If you take that attitude, then what you have is going to stay small, and frankly, you're going to live a small life. Jesus wants to know if we will honor him and trust him and put the little that we have into his hands so he can multiply it like he did the loaves and the fishes. Jesus fed 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. So stop telling God what he cannot do. Say it out loud. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Say it again. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Faith means taking action with what you've got in your hand and starting and heading out in the venture of a lifetime, the adventure of faith. So this phrase has been coming back to me in my spirit, man, in recent weeks. What is that in your hand? And then I came across <clears throat> that Mark Wahlberg quote, God never gives you a dream that matches your budget. He's not checking your bank account. He's checking your faith. And frankly, it reminds me of how Sue and I started Faith Christian Center. We had $20,000 from the profit on the sale of our first house after tithes. If you adjust that for inflation in 2022, that would be $86,685. We had a used El Dorado, I had a Bible, and I had a guitar, and we had it out. We had it out, we had it out. Let me tell you something, I don't know that I've ever shared this, but one time, if my memory serves me well, but we got back to that little garden home on that Sunday afternoon, we'd gone over to the Ramada Inn. We had rented one-third of the ballroom, two sleeping rooms to have the hotel put cribs in for nurseries. Uh, we had bought toys for the nursery, and we carried them over there in the trunk of that car. And uh, we held church. I, I don't remember if it was 62 or 64 people on that first Sunday, but, man, we were just ecstatic because we didn't know if anybody would show up. And uh, we had done some free marriage enrichment breakfast on Saturdays at the Hilton Hotel. We'd done several things to advertise. But here's what's sad. When we got done with church and went out to eat, Austin was uh, uh, sh just shy of two years old, about a year and nine months old. We get back to that little garden home over by Randall Mo Park in North Arlington. And I told Sue, I said, there's nobody to call. Because not everybody's going to be thrilled when you head out. Not everybody's going to be excited for you when you have a victory. Not everybody's going to be thrilled to hear about what God is doing in your life. Uh, about 18, 24 months ago, I was exiting this uh, highway in front of the church, 287, and uh, the Lord said something brutal to me. It was brutal. I had to get my mind around it. I didn't want to hear it because I was thinking about friends in the ministry and 
uh, how come I don't see him and all of that? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, nobody wants to come and see what you built. And I thought, ouch, you know, because I would want to see if some, a peer of mine or a friend of mine had done something. I mean, I'm a curious guy. I'd want to go see it. But people aren't hardwired like that. The Lord told me many years ago, don't assume anybody thinks like you do. You know, because when you head out in this venture of faith, you got to get your mind right. Tell your neighbor, get your mind right. Tell the neighbor on the other side, get your mind right. Not everybody's going to be happy for you when, you, uh, when you're the number one salesman at the company. Not everyone's going to be happy for you when you get the biggest year-end bonus. Not everybody's going to be happy for you when you build your own business and company. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we, we, but we were blessed by God. We started out in one-third of that ballroom. Then we grew into two-thirds. Then we grew into all of it. And then before we left, we were running two services on Sunday morning. We headed. We started. We headed out. We started, we began. Most Christians stand around with their hands in their pockets for years waiting for something to happen. Ain't nothing gonna happen unless you make it happen. Tell your neighbor, ain't nothing gonna happen unless you make it happen. Tell the neighbor on the other side, ain't nothing gonna happen unless you make it happen. And we've been giving you the same outline all, every evening. Number one, nothing happens until you take the little that you have and put it into the hands of God. Number two, nothing happens until you go in the strength you have. And number three, when you do these things, God then takes your little nothing and turns it into a great big something. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. You know, I love identifying principles in the Word of God. And once I identify a principle in the Word of God, I love hunting and searching for examples across the Bible. And if it is actually a principle in the Word of God, you're going to find it in multiple places. And that's what we see here with this concept of what is that in your hand and go in the strength you have. 2 Kings 4, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? See, the man of God's first thought was, when trying to come up with a plan to help her was, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your house? Give me something to work with. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your house? Give me something to work with. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. All right, a little oil. That's something I can work with. That's something God can multiply. You see how it is actually opposite of the way the world operates. It's the opposite of the way people think. Many years ago, this was back at the, uh, in the early days, actually, the early days up at I-30. We had a young woman got saved in the church, and she decided to go off to Rhema Bible School, which is, you know, that's fine, that's great. And uh, she came back. She went two years, came back, and I said, well, what are you going to do now? And she said, well, I'm believing God. I think it was $6 million. 
uh, I might have the number wrong, but she said, I'm believing God for $6 million to op open up a coffee house ministry in Dallas. The number, that seems high. Maybe it was $3 million, but I think it was six. I said, that's great. I said, praise the Lord. I said, what are you going to do in the meantime? She said, well, I'm, I'm believing God for $6 million to open up a coffee house in Dallas. And, you know, silly me, I'm just trying to communicate. You know, it's like I feel like Chris Rock sometimes. Are you listening to the words coming out of my mouth? You know? <laughs> And I said, I said, that's great. I said, praise the Lord. But I said, what are you going to do in the meantime? And she was like, I was deaf. I'm believing God for $6 million to open up a coffee house ministry in Dallas. And then I was like, you know, and then I went on and greeted the next person. Because the point is, the point is, the point is, it doesn't work like that. God is not going to give somebody millions of dollars who has not even bothered to, to wipe a baby's backside or help in children's church or sing during worship time. In other words, he's just not going to do it. Tell your neighbor, he's not going to do it. Tell the other neighbor, he's not going to do it. 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 I mean, this God created stewardship. He's not going to do it. And she hung around for, I mean, literally, literally, she hung around for two or three Sundays and we never saw her again and never heard of her again. I mean, if she had done something for the Lord, right, we would have heard about it. Never heard another thing about it. I don't know that the word useless is a biblical word, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to see if it is because, you know, some people are just worth useless. I, I was going to say worthless. They're not worthless. Jesus died for them. They're worth a whole lot. The, but the point is, are they useful? See, you need to be useful. Amen. I said you need to be useful. Amen. 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 That goes back to that Matthew 25 thing on gifts, talents, and abilities. Don't let your gifts, talents, and abilities sit dormant. Find a way to be useful to God. Find a way to be useful in the kingdom of God. Find a way to be useful where you are. Amen. Be a blessing. You know, you don't have to be a curse to your local church and your local pastor. You can be a blessing. I see new people. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you can be a blessing. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you don't have to be a curse. You can be a blessing. Amen. So, she said, your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So what is this? Talk to me from last night. What is this? It's an action plan. And the problem with an action plan is it requires what? And the problem with an action plan is, and here's a big one. Buckle your seatbelt. The problem with an action plan is it requires following instructions. Verse 5, she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her son's they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Now, what is this thing about shutting the door? 
Well, oftentimes Jesus would get people out of the room before he performed a miracle. Oftentimes he would get everybody out of the room or he would get everybody out of the room except Peter, James, and John. Why, why, why? Because it's hard to believe God in an atmosphere of unbelief. So sometimes you just have to turn off Facebook. You know, sometimes you just have to get alone. Sometimes you just have to get away from certain relatives, friends, or other folks to believe God. I'm talking about believing God. So she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Now see, the man of God said, don't get a few. And we don't know how many she got. But don't you know, at that moment, she wished she had had more. But when she ran out, when did the oil stop flowing? The extent of her blessing was directly related to the extent of her following instructions. The extent of her blessing was directly related to the extent of her following instructions. This is why in my early days, I would hear God and obey God most of the time. If I stood here and told you I obeyed God perfectly, I'd be lying. And I cannot think of an incident where I chose to not do what he said, but I'm sure there were. In my later years, I came to this, and Sue and I got an agreement on it, that whatever the Lord told me to do, no matter how outrageous it seemed, we would do it, without exception, without exception. And he's led me to do some things, frankly, that I didn't want to do. He's led me, frankly, to, to give money to ministers that I didn't want to give because I had my reasons. But I made up my mind. See, and it's right here in this scripture. Then the oil stopped flowing. The extent of her blessing, the extent of her miracle was throttled or regulated by the extent to which she followed instructions. And so I made up my mind. I'm gonna be a 100% instruction follower when it comes to Rhema Christos words from the Lord. Verse seven, she went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. That's why she would have wished she had more jars. Because whatever was left, how many of you know, whatever's left, it'd be better if it was two or three times that. Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. And as we saw last evening, God oftentimes gives you a miracle by giving you an action plan. Say it out loud. God will oftentimes give me a miracle by giving me an action plan. You know, I shouldn't do this, but I do it every time because it's all in the databank somewhere. But every time I go to the dentist, they check my blood pressure. And uh, the gal there always comments on how great my blood pressure is. And I ask her, I say, what was Austin's last time he was in here? And you know, they look it up. So, but let me tell you something. 1988, 1988, 1988, 
It was March of 1988. We're getting ready to move into that first facility up at I-30. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, from this day to your last day, he said, I want you to walk no less than four miles a day. He said, your vision came to pass. Your dream came to pass. You're getting ready to move into that building. He said, you're getting ready to leave the hotel. So he said, so from this day to your last day, I want you to walk four miles a day. Now, he didn't tell you that. He told me that. And no male in my family for three generations has lived past 63. But I'm well beyond that. And I take no pills. And I got great blood pressure. But the point is, what would have happened if I had not followed the action plan? And then two, my gosh, you know, I'd be as big as a barn because, you know, the way I look is after walking four miles a day all these years. So what if I had not? I couldn't get through the doors. Not eating what I've been eating. Your response is so tepid. Don't you understand? God, he, he's, got, he's got a telescope. He, he's got binoculars and he's looking way down there he's looking at your life 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years 50 years down the road and he's going to give you a word today that is your miracle but you may not even know it can you see that I said can you see that because he said everybody said out loud the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I shall not lack. I shall not do without. He leads me into green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I don't understand this fear Christians have of the Lord. Now, I fear him. You know, I'm not going to mess with him and end up in hell. I fear him like that. But I don't fear that he's going to lead me into the ditch. I don't fear that he's going to give me. It's not like your buddy that says, hey, you know, uh, bet the seventh horse and the fifth race. No, 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 no. It's not like that. In other words, when he speaks to me, he's, gonna, he's got a good destination in mind for me. And, and look, he doesn't need anything from us. There's nobody here can really do much for the Lord. So when he speaks to us, it's not for his benefit. When he speaks to us, it's for our benefit. And he's looking down the road and he sees and he knows. How many of you understand? The Lord, the Lord knows. If the Lord knows the hairs on your head, the Lord knows your genetic code. Amen. He knows what could possibly be in your future. And so if he tells you to get the weight off, oh, that's the devil. No, that's... <laughs> The, the devil's the one telling you to get the third pizza. Amen. Tell your neighbor, he talks like this because he loves us. Yeah. See, that, who do you think's talking to you? To take care of yourself. That's not the devil talking to you. To take care of yourself. That's not the devil talking to you.
And the same thing is true in every area, financially, physically, in our marriages, with our children. When he, when he speaks to us, it's not for his good because he doesn't need anything from us. Really, when he speaks to us, it's for our good. So Elisha, when he told this widow woman what to do, was that for Elisha's good or was that for her good? It was for her good. So often, God oftentimes gives you a miracle by giving you an action plan. And the problem with an action plan is an action plan requires action. And the problem with an action plan is an action plan requires following instructions. So when God gives you an action plan, don't complain and don't miss God. Take action, take action, take action. Because once God shows you an action to take, and once you begin to regularly and faithfully take that action, your answer and your victory are assured, and your success is inevitable. I said your success is inevitable. This widow had something in her house. See, it's not exactly what do you have in your hand, but it's similar, what do you have in your house? And this widow had something in her house. And God was saying through the prophet Elisha, what have you got in your hand? Give me something to work with. I've got to have something to work with. All she had was a little oil. All she had in her house was a little oil. That's all she had. So of course it wouldn't make sense to go to all the neighbors and borrow all their jars. And that's the problem. People... I don't know how many times in 49 years of preaching the gospel I've had people say, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I tell them, that's exactly right. Because we're not talking about sense right here. We're talking about faith. There's a time to use sense and there's a time to use faith. We're not going to get a miracle by walking by sense. She was poor. She was struggling. She was in danger at risk of her sons being put into slavery but God didn't want her and her sons to become slaves God didn't want his this prophet's widow's sons to be forced into slavery over debt can you see God's not in favor of you being a slave to your debt God wanted this widow woman and her sons to live and did not become slaves she God wanted them to be free God wants you to have enough to pay your bills. And God wants you to have enough to feed and to clothe and to educate your children. And God wants you to have more than enough so you can save and invest. And God wants you to have more than enough so you can be generous on every occasion. That's the will of God. Look, anybody that could read a passage like this, and there are all kinds of passages like this in the Word of God, and not come to those conclusions is dishonest. Because if it was the will of God for her to be poor, Elisha would have said, you know, so what? If it was the will of God for her sons to be taken in slavery to pay off, work off the dead prophet's debt, Elisha wouldn't have helped her. So obviously that wasn't the will of God. Now, let's take a side journey because as we wrap up our 2022 Holy Week Revival, and since we're in 2 Kings 4, and since we have some time left, let's take a side journey that'll change your life and give you a better life over time. And let me give you a preview to our upcoming August week of increase. There's another way to apply the message this evening, and that is setting aside resources now for your future later and setting aside resources 
for your children's future and setting aside resources for your grandchildren's future, otherwise known as saving money. Years ago, I was uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was there for the sole purpose of visiting with Dr. T.L. Osborne. Typically, when I would get to his home, we would spend time there in his home. We'd talk, and then typically the routine was that I would drive and I would take him to his favorite Chinese restaurant and we would eat and we would talk and then I would take him back to his house and we would sit and we would talk and then I'd be on my way. And I used to fly up there regularly and do that. And on one of those occasions, T.L. told me in his living room, he said, you don't realize how unusual you are. You see, because we used to be on television in Tulsa, Oklahoma every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and so Ken and Lynette Hagen and T.L. Osborne and different people would watch us while they were getting ready for Sunday school or church, or maybe it was 8 o'clock. And uh, he said, you don't know how unusual you are. I said, really? I said, how, how so? And he said, well, and he named names. And I'm not going to name names, but he named names. And he said, these churches up here, he said, they want every nickel, every service. And we just heard this week about a church nearby and it's supposed to be a faith church, but that's what they do. Every nickel, every service. We heard about another situation this week. I mean, it was exactly the way uh, Michelle Obama was raising money in 2012 on her husband's re-election bid when she used the phrase, max out your credit cards. And we heard a situation this week of churches doing that. Uh, a pastor telling people or a pastor's wife telling people in the offering time, max out your credit card. It's just, number one, it's not right. Number two, even if they do it in the political world, it is an ungodly thing to do in church. Amen. Now we have people, I remember many years ago, this was funny, I remember many years ago, one of our top givers decided that he was going to rack up a bunch of points on his tithes and offerings. And we didn't say a word about it, but, you know, you, you have to understand that when you put a tithe or an offering on a credit card, you get the points and we pay the fee. I'm not complaining because it's still a heck of a lot of money. So, you know, I'm not saying anything about it, but I'm just saying it was one of our big givers, and they decided they were going to rack up a bunch of points, and we were like, gulp, because every time it was 3% or 4% or whatever it was, 3.5%. But, so people use credit cards like that for various reasons. I understand this, but we're honest people. We are, we're, we're unusual. We're actually educated. We're not like hillbillies. <laughs> and we're honest people. And we're not going to tell anybody to max out their credit card. And we're not trying to get your last nickel. You have no idea how blessed you are. And you preachers that might be watching thinking, how in the world can he do this? You know why you want every nickel, every service? Because of your unbelief and your ungodly heart. And you don't believe the word of God. 
Because if you believe the Word of God, you would have this confidence, I'm going to teach God's people the Word of God, and if I will just stand and teach God's people the Word of God, God is going to meet my needs, and God's going to take care of what I have going on. So the reason they do what they do, you know, Oral Roberts used to call it receiving an offering with a stomach pump. The reason they do what they do is unbelief. They don't believe God. They don't believe the Word of God. They don't believe that if the people would just be doers of the Word of God, all the needs of the church would be met. They don't believe it. So if you're sitting in a place and they try and get every nickel every service, your preacher is a person of unbelief. Am I clear enough? <laughs> they don't believe the word of God. Right. See, we have just been simple folks all these years and we believe God. Even when, I mean, the stock market crash of 1987, the horrible recession that followed, we moved in here just in time for, you know, the meltdown, all of it. We have never, never, never tried to get every nickel, every service, and we have never told people to run up charges on credit cards given to God. Not one time, not one time, not one time, not in hard times. Amen. We've never done it. And so T.L. told me, he said, he said, you actually teach the people to save money. He said, nobody does that. And I said, well, I said, Dr. Osborne, I said, that's, that's Bible. That's in the book of Proverbs. He said, yeah, yeah. But he said, nobody does that. And he said, because you teach the people to save money and invest money, he said, over time, over time, over time, the, you'll have more income that, per person than anybody. Over time. Amen. Takes time. Yes, right. It's ungodly to try and get everybody's last nickel every service. It's ungodly to, do, uh, uh, to use a stomach pump for an offering. It's ungodly to say max out your credit card. Too many pulpits are full of entertainers and shysters and hucksters. And let me tell you what, the church went down a bad road, the church in America went down a bad road on music. They went down a bad road with getting the Bible out of their sermons. And then I didn't think it could get worse, but then it did. They went down a bad road thinking that they were celebrities and that they could act like celebrities. A lot of these ministers don't know they're not Elvis and you can't sleep with a bunch of women. They want to be, they want to be celebrities and they want to live the celebrity lifestyle and they want to snort lines of coke on the private jet and they want to be serviced by a bunch of women. And then, and then, and then tell God's people to give every nickel, every service and max out the credit card. You have no idea. I'm talking to you. You have no idea how hot hell is. Many will say to me on that day, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? And he will tell them plainly on that day, away from me, I never knew you. Right, amen. Your name's not on the list. <laughs> tell your neighbor, if we would just do things God's way, we'd be a whole lot better off. Tell the neighbor on the other side, if we would just do things God's way, we'd be a whole lot better off. So one of the ways God can bless us is by blessing what we have set aside for savings. I realize this is a side journey, but it's a preview of the week of increase coming up in August. This miracle in 2 Kings 4 was able to happen because this woman had something set aside in her home. Now, you listen carefully to what I'm saying. This miracle in 2 Kings 4 was able to happen because this woman had something set aside in her home. Could she have done a better job of setting resources aside? Sure. Could all of us here tonight do a better job of setting resources aside? Sure. Jesus said we must occupy until he comes. So we must live ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day of our lives. And yet, we are also to live as though he will not come in our lifetimes. So we live literally betwixt and between. We live ready to go, but we live as though he's not coming in our lifetime. So any way you look at it, we need to live a life of setting resources aside for the future. We learned in the messages, don't waste your life, on the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 that God expects us to multiply our resources. God expects us to do something with our talents. God expects us to multiply our money. And there in Matthew 25, Jesus actually said in verse 29, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Do you know that God actually promised to bless you in your storehouses? Did you know that? God has actually promised to bless you in your storehouses. Deuteronomy 28.8, the Lord shall command the blessing. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land in which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Shout it out loud. Five times the Lord commands the blessing. But even if the Lord commanded a doubling, what's, what's, two, what's, a, what's a doubling of zero? It's still zero. And did you know that God has actually promised to supply and increase your store of seed? Did you know that? 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, he doesn't supply seed to the hoarder. He doesn't supply seed to the, you know, uh, the person who hides their money like Achan. He supplies seed to the sower. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So let's look at the language. You know, we get familiar with verses and we ignore them. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase. Say it out loud. He will supply and he will increase. See, he says he will supply and increase your store of seed. But what if you don't have any storehouses? What if you don't have a store of seed? 
God is asking you today, what do you have in your hand? Jesus is saying to you today, give me something to work with. If you don't have any storehouses, how can God bless your storehouses? If you don't have any storehouses, how can, how can God multiply your storehouses? So what are storehouses? Savings accounts, brokerage accounts, retirement accounts, but they don't have to be. They could be lands and houses. Look again at these words which actually fell from the lips of Jesus in the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 29. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. This was one of John Osteen's favorite verses to preach from on prosperity. And if you'll get this, you'll be on your way. If folks would only get a hold of this, what a difference it would make. And I know from personal experience, I proved it again and again and again. Just last month, I think it was last month, I was putting statements away, filing them in the box, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you went crazy saving money. Because I got, I got, you know, I got different accounts for me and retirement accounts, and I got, retire I got accounts for Austin, and I got accounts for Christina, I've got accounts for all the grandchildren. And the Lord spoke to me in the closet, said, you went crazy saving money. Well, it's a good thing. Amen. You're better off saving money than eating more food. Now, I've told this, I've actually told this, I think, two or three times this week. So I think I'm not, I think I'm working on telling this story 2,000 times. 1989, I get up, I'm at 5 a.m. prayer. I thought I was praying. I wasn't praying. I was complaining. And I told the Lord, I'm tired of not ever having any money. And he said, son, you don't ever have any money because you never save any money. Doesn't that phrase from the Holy Spirit of God, 1989, line up with 2 Corinthians 9.10? Absolutely. So when the Lord gives you a word from the Lord, take it to the written word of God. If it lines up with the written word of God, run with it. If it doesn't line up with the written word of God, well, just throw it out the window. And he said, save something every seven days, both at home and in the ministry, even if it's just $5. I don't think you realize how blessed you are. I don't think you realize where you're sitting. I don't think you realize what you're dealing with. If it had not been for the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me like that in 1989, and if I had not taken action on that Rhema Christos in 1989, you would not be sitting here tonight. Because we would not own this land. And we would not have this building. And even if we managed somehow to get the land and build the building, we would not be sitting here tonight with no debt. So it just it hasn't just benefited me. It benefited the people of God. Are you hearing me? Because he said, <laughs> see, the problem with an action plan is, an action plan requires action. And the problem with an action plan is, it requires following instructions. People are amazing. You know, you can have a prayer line and you can say, don't say anything to me and they'll talk to you. Or, or Pastor Sue says, every, every course graduation, this happens every time. This church is 39 years old. 39 years. 
39 years. And yet this happens every course graduation. Pastor Sue says, say your name out loud. Pastor's thumbing through the certificates so he'll have an easier time getting to your certificate. And every time we do a course graduation, they stand there and they look at me like, I double dog dare you to not know who I am. <laughs> then you got, I remember the last course graduation, Dennis Tuttle. I've known Dennis Tuttle since he was a child. And, you know, Dennis says, Dennis Tuttle. <laughs> so is it a miracle and a wonder? I'm trying to teach tonight. Amen. Is it a miracle and a wonder that God has blessed him Versus, <laughs> it's amazing. You, you have a prayer line. You say, face this way. They face north. They face west. They face south. No, face this way. It's amazing. Whatever you tell them to do. People have trouble following instructions. You're in management. Do people have trouble following instructions at work? Yes. And actually, it's worse than that in 2022 because if you require people to follow instructions, they'll hand you over to the tormentors and human resources. <laughs> it is a thing. It is a thing. I, these young people... They're studying me. Listen, if you cannot discipline yourself to follow instructions, you will never be wealthy. Right. Amen. Any job worth having, they're going to expect you to follow instructions. So the problem with an action plan is an action plan requires action and the problem with an action plan is an action plan requires somebody to follow instructions. All right. So if, if this story, 2 Kings 4, had happened in 2022, uh, now go to your neighbors and get all the jars you can and don't just get a few. This miracle would never have happened because she would have said, well, my, my son say I don't have to do that. My Facebook buddy says I don't have to do that. I don't think I need to do anything for God to give me a miracle. My last 15 pastors told me that I don't have to do anything to be blessed by God like you are, Elisha. My last 25 pastors told me that we are all blessed of God equally no matter how we live or what we do. This miracle, listen to me, this miracle probably would not have happened in 2022. Or how about this? I don't want to hear that. Or how about this? I don't believe I have to do that. Actually, how about this? Well, don't you know Elisha was wealthy? She would have, in 2022, she'd have been offended that he didn't just pay the debt. 
or max out his credit card. <laughs> See, people have a problem with following instructions until it comes to Dr. Fraud. <laughs> one mask, one mask, two masks, three masks, four. One shot, two shot, three shots, four. Whatever, baby. Sign me up. They just follow the world like Pavlov's dogs. But when it comes to God Almighty, or it's the last night, or a prophet of God. I don't have to do that. I don't believe that. I don't want to hear that. Well, like Kenneth Hagin would say, do without. I'm walking around praying. This was about two years ago. I get past the red barn. I don't know why. I should put a bench in that area because he talks to me a lot in that area. And I get past the red barn and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you don't even see it, do you? I said, see what? He said, when Kenneth Copeland was alive, he said, you loved him and you honored him and you did what he taught. And he said, and so you walked in his anointing. But he said, you love him still and you honor him still and you still do what he taught. So he said, you still walk in his anointing. You know what that's called? Following instructions. Now, you got to pick the right guy. Because how many, how many have been disgraced? How many have gotten into sin? How many have, how many have gotten uh, into immorality? So you got to pick the right one. You cannot pick a pastor based on which jogging suit he wears on Sunday. <laughs> you cannot pick a... See, in other words, if you pick a pastor because he's a celebrity on Instagram, that doesn't make him a man of God. You actually, those of you watching, you actually should ask yourself this. If I had a child that was sick, what church and what man would I take that child to to be prayed for and that's where you should be in church every time the doors are open. Amen. Not the one with the celebrity leadership and uh, the light show or whatever. But you ought to find where the power is and be where the power is. Find where the anointing is. And I realize there are a lot of places in the earth. I realize there are a lot of places in America. There's no anointing. I realize it. You just got to do the best you can locally and then watch Faith Christian Center. Online. We have people that do that. We hear from them regularly. We have people who do that. They, they, they found the best thing they can find within their area, and they attend church there, but then they watch to get fed the Word of God. And I understand that. It's not like it was. It's not like it was years ago. I understand that. So this land is here because of what the Lord spoke to me in 1989 and because I took action. And this building is here because of what the Lord spoke to me in 1989 and because I took action. And we have no debt here because of what the Lord spoke to me in 1989 and because I took action.
So it didn't just benefit me, it benefited you. There's not any chance that your child at St. Paul's is going to be out there playing on the playground set and somebody come repossess it out from under them. Amen. Did you know that God makes a man rich by blessing the seed he sows into savings? See, before 1989, I hadn't really given God any savings to bless. Now listen to these words because they could be the most important words you'll hear in your entire life. The Rhema Christos correction by the Holy Spirit of God in 1989 and me hearing him and heeding him and me taking action on what he said to me that day in prayer has made me a blessed man. And if you will hear me and heed what I'm saying and take action on what I'm saying, these words from the Holy Spirit repeated this day will also make you wealthy over time. Everybody say over time. Second Chronicles 2020, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. See, when you don't tithe, when you don't save money, you don't give God something to bless. I'm gonna re- I ought to repeat that a hundred times. When you don't tithe and you don't save money, you don't give God something to bless. When you don't tithe and you don't save money, you don't give God something to bless. The word mortgage actually comes from the Latin words Mortis or morte, which means death, and the Latin gauge, which means pledge or grip. Hence, a mortgage literally means a death pledge or a pledge to the death. And Baron Rothschild once said that compound interest was the eighth wonder of the world. But you're wonderful, beautiful, glorious, magnificent. Heavenly Father wants you to be free. The story of this prophet's widow in 2 Kings 4 is often overlooked because we no longer have debtors' prisons. We no longer live in a society where they can take our children and sell them into slavery when we cannot pay our debts. But actually today it's worse. When you have no money, today you are forced to send your children down to the public school to be taught every filthy sexual practice. And don't be telling me, you know, my district's Christian. Don't be telling me uh, uh, one of these upper middle class school districts north of here. I'm not going to mention the name, but they they were found to be teaching all this filthy stuff and it was in their library. And they do it until it gets found out. Then they pull it out for a few months. But you know, it's going to be right back in there because that is the system. That's their mindset. Everybody's upset with they have school teachers by the hundreds quitting teaching school in Florida because of the new law that there's no sex education in the early grades. Listen, what kind of a moral monster would quit teaching school because they can't talk to kindergartners about all kinds of sexual activities? So today your children aren't turned into slaves. Instead, they're turned into emotional basket cases who will be dependent on the government for the rest of their lives, slaves of the state. They will spend the rest of their lives serving the state, living on the government plantation and doing the government's bidding and voting for whatever politician promises them the most free stuff. Now, I understand there are exceptions. Aaron Wood went to 
SMU for four years and did not get morally corrupted. They ought, there ought to be like a special plaque, you know. Uh, he, didn't, he never walked the walk of shame. My daughter-in-law, my daughter-in-law, Jessica Lingerfeld, is a pro, graduated from public school. There are exceptions. But would I take a chance? Myself? Not one child of mine and not one grandchild of mine has ever spent one day in daycare. Not one day. And you, if you think that it, that's convenience, you don't know us at all. If, if Sue Lingerfeld was faced with a grandchild being in public school, she'd go to selling cars. Well, she can't because they're all in my name. But she, <laughs> she'd, she'd, have, she'd put them up for sale and then, you know, make me sign. I'm just saying. Not one child, not one grandchild has spent a day in public school or a day in daycare. Now, you might say, Pastor, you're just, man, you're just out there. You're extreme. You're crazy, whatever. Yeah, but it's working. I got, I got my grown children. They're living for the Lord. I got my grown children. They're happily married. I got my grown children. They, they, they are productive. I've never made a mortgage payment for any grown child, not one time. We have no divorces going on. We have no custody battles going on. I don't have to, you know, call an attorney to see a grandchild. I know I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of my time. I, know, I realize that. You think I'm a faith guy, but really, 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 really what I am is a risk management guy. I manage my risk. I went to prayer one day at 5 o'clock up at I-30 and there was this college girl. And that was before everybody got heavy. And she comes to 5 a.m. prayer and I'm, I'm telling you, dressed smoking hot. Two or three hours later at church, she had no makeup on and she looked like she had bought her dress from the Vermont country store and she looked like she had just escaped from a farm. <laughs> and so I'm trying to tell my wife, this was Sunday morning 5 a.m. prayer, I'm trying to tell my wife something wrong with that chick. <laughs> and my wife was like, well, look at her. She's, you know, she's this godly, you know, uh, young person. And I'm, I'm saying... You know, this was before phones had cameras, and I, you know, I was thinking, you know, you have no idea. I'm trying to tell her how she was dressed at 5 a.m. prayer. And she was like, eh, <laughs> telling you. But I'm a risk management guy. See, and I'm not looking at the miniskirt and all of that. I'm, I'm looking at my car being taken by repossessed i'm looking i'm looking at i'm looking at some, i mean in the spirit realm because i'm a prophet i can see it I, i'm seeing somebody else living in my house i'm seeing i'm seeing somebody else you know getting it on with uh, my former wife i'm seeing i'm seeing i'm seeing uh you know uh going to a daughter's wedding 
and not being the one to walk her down the aisle. It just, it was like they say it flashes before your eyes. Well, it does a prophet. It just all, you know, so, you know, don't even think about it because I'm a risk management guy. Not going to take the chance. Not going to take the chance. Not going to take the chance. Ain't nobody driving my stuff but me. Even Sue doesn't drive my stuff. Ain't nobody driving my stuff but me. And that's the way I feel about tithing. Oh, let money cross my hand and not give God what he says is his. The risk is too high. And then how about when the Lord gives you a rhema Christos and tells you to give to a missionary or tells you to give to this or give to that? See, the risk may not be a risk of danger or it may not be a risk of hell. It may not be that kind of a negative risk, but the risk is there because it is a risk of not being blessed by God like I might be blessed. I can't take the risk. I got to manage the risk. So yes, you should tithe. And yes, you should give above and beyond the tithe as led by the Holy Spirit. But what What about all the other money we waste? If you're still spending money on Disney Plus after all the news, months ago on a road trip, I bought two drinks at a Starbucks. You know, we're driving and I, I got to stay caffeinated driving. And so... I bought two drinks at a Starbucks, and the total was $7.85. So do you know what $7.85 invested in the Standard & Poor 500 from age, 70, age 20 to age 70 would equal at, at age 70? I checked the math again today. $7.85 start at age 20, and you set it aside every day until age 70, and you don't even do anything sexy or exciting with it. You put it in the Standard & Poor 500. At age 70, it would be worth $1.685 million. Well, if you could do $7.85, what if you could do $15? $15 a day, just $15 a day from age 20 to age 70, it would equal $3.2 million. You think that's amazing. Well, how about this math? If you take that $7.85 for two drinks at Starbucks and you do realize they make coffee makers and you can make coffee at home, I'm not going to take the time to tell it, but Austin bought a Porsche once just by giving up Starbucks because he had his card on automatic reload. And because his card was on automatic reload, he was in college. And, you know, it takes a lot of caffeine to do all those papers and to stay up and to study and to take all those tests. And so because his card was on automatic reload, he had a credit history of, of all of the charges. And he bought a Porsche. with He just, he just started drinking coffee at home. And then he'd stop at a gas station and get coffee. Somebody might say, that's nasty. Yeah, but he got a Porsche out of it. $7.85, am I telling the truth? $7.85 from age 20 to age 70 invested in the NASDAQ 100. I just checked the math again today. Would equal, at age 70, $12.26 million. And if you went to $15 a day, put it every day, $15 a day in the NASDAQ 100 at age 70, starting at 20, age 70, it would equal $23.4 million. 
So don't waste your life and don't waste your resources. God asked that woman a simple question. What do you have in your house? And that is what God is asking you this week at Faith Christian Center. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your house? And Jesus is saying, give me something to work with. Number one, nothing happens until you take the little that you have and you put it into the hands of God. Number two, nothing happens until you go in the strength you have. And then number three, when you do these things, then God takes your little nothing and turns it into a great big something. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.